Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Jason Neal, one of the co-owners of PW United. I must warn you that the Yellow Block podcast contains some strong language and adult themes. So be warned and enjoy. Peterborough have sacked their manager, Grant McCann. That was his second spell in charge of the club. Also, his assistant manager, Cliff Byrne, has gone as well. Now, everyone at home, quick quiz question. Who do you think they've already replaced Grant McCann with? (laughs) I'll give you three seconds. Three, two... One, absolutely right. It's Darren Ferguson. For the fourth time, he is now manager of Peterborough. This deal is only until the end of the season. Uh, They have released an official statement here. But currently, Peterborough are eighth in League One. They're five points off the playoff place. They paid Port Vale uh, on Monday in League One. Of course, we were relegated from the Championship last season. They've been up and down from the Championship in League One quite a lot. Darren Ferguson, Grant McCann have been a big part of that. But Grant McCann has gone. Darren Ferguson, for a fourth spell, is back as manager of Peterborough. Welcome to an emergency episode of the Yellow Block, a Peter United podcast on the Talk Sport Fan Network. I'm Jared, and in the spirit of going back to previous leaders, I'm leading the pod tonight, and I'm joined by Dan. How are you, Dan? Yeah, not too bad, mate. You? I'm all right, mate. I feel like I'm uh, in a bit of a time warp, to be honest. Um, we've managed to get a bit of a team together, just me and Dan. I think Kisby might come in late. We'll see. Uh, in, yeah, in reaction to today's big news. So, Dan, Grant McCann has been sacked and incoming is, yep, you guessed it, Darren Ferguson. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I, I can't believe it. I I think there was a lot of the fan base expecting Grant to go, and in my opinion, rightfully so. I mean, you know, we're doing terribly. We've lost six in a row in all comps. But, I mean, to bring Fergie back so soon after his last departure and, you know, the reasons for that departure, I mean, I know he left of his own accord, apparently. Um, but I mean, a three-month losing streak, and I mean, I, I don't see why we're going back to, to the same old. It's baffling. Honestly, I, I was 
I was in a really long meeting today um, and I come out and my phone was pinging like mad. You know when you turn your notifications on, internet's going on and it's, yeah, it's going crazy. I thought, oh shit, something's happened. And I see one of the screen grabs saying, um, Peter United have hired Darren Ferguson. I thought, oh, bollocks. No, literally, I thought there was zero chance. And even when I did see it officially, I kept checking and checking and checking. I cannot believe it. I honestly cannot believe it. I was all for uh, McCann leaving. Um, big fan of Grant McCann. I really like him. But it just wasn't working out, was it? I, I don't think yeah. anyone can moan too much at the decision to sack him. But to bring... Again, it's weird because I like Darren Ferguson. I think he's a good manager. And, you know, when it comes to managers out of work who to get promoted from League One, he's the bet. But not for Peterborough United. For other clubs. You know, he's he's done what he can with us. And just, just going back to... Um, an interview he did with the coach's voice uh, when he left Peterborough United. Um, he said, I was once again asked to return to Peterborough shortly after. I wasn't sure, but this time we decided to be to the end of the season. That felt like a good move, which just to uh, clue everyone up, if you're not aware, that is exactly what's happened this time. He then goes on to say, but the temporary position worked against me. You could tell the players weren't fully buying into my ideas because they knew I was leaving at the end of the season. So, what the fuck are we playing at? He's literally said it himself. Last time that didn't work. And we've gone and done the exact same thing. Everyone's going to have their opinion at this point. But whenever you bring up the management question, it's always, well, who can we get in? And I think the thing that's baffled me about the Fergie appointment this time round is that there are other people available for once. You know, It's not like other times when we sat managers and there's... There's no names about. We sort of have to hire an unknown or someone that we know, which you know we always go to the latter. Whereas this time, you know, Dan, Danny Cowley's just left Pompey. Joey Barton for a bit of passion, yeah, all right. He's it, 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 he's a borderline choice, I, I, I grant you, but you know, it's it's a change, and surely after after the absolute shambles that was last season and the shambles that is this season. We need change. We can't just keep going back to the same formula, throwing money at it, evidently not enough, and then saying, oh, oopsie, and going on to, you know, grab my can back in six months' time. I don't know, though. You've made me feel better now, mentioning Jerry Barton as a possible manager. I feel I'm delighted Fergie's back now. Grant McCann has been a disaster, I think, for us, an absolute disaster, because I think every decision he's made has been wrong this season. Just every single one has been wrong, right? Clearly, he's not got the best out of these players, has he? And if Dan Ferguson can get the best out of these players, they will finish in the top six. We need to go back to basics and do the simple things that that, that, that Fergie can do. We know he can do that because he's got success with us before. So. I'm sorry, you keep saying this, get the best out of these players, get the best out of these players. He's had a go with these players. This squad is not that different from the squad that he went on a three-month losing streak with in the Championship. I 100% get what Dan's saying, that you know, looking forward, he's not the answer. But I, again, because we understand what you're saying, in League One, possibly he is. All our no, problems but- are not down to the manager. If they were... I would be sitting here saying, right, all we need to do is Ferguson needs to be our caretaker manager for the rest of the season and then get a decent manager in. But our problems are much, much, much... Yeah, but what we're talking about is, is with, with the manager appointment, um, you can look at it short term in regards to his, his record in League One is, is, is superb, but certainly with us as a football club. And then obviously, Dan, what you're touching on is, is going forward and he's not the answer. Um if you look well, at how do we know that? Because as Dan Ferguson well, well, because right, everything he's wasn't the champion. He's, no. he's fucking shit. 
No, that is that is an absolute. Well, no, that's that's a fact. That's a non-argument. That's a non-argument because it's a fact. It's only a fact if it's directly down to him, and you can prove it's directly down to him, and you can't. Oh no, what I, I, I agree. Argue is we've never had a good enough side in the championship. Doesn't matter who's in charge. Doesn't matter who's in charge if that team is not good enough, and. You know, we're not stupid. We watch them in the championship. We know those players are not good enough. 99% of those players are not good enough to play in the championship. We get the odd one. Yes, of course we do. Who is good enough? Maybe we get the odd two who are good enough, but we don't get 11 of them, do we? When have we no, I agree. 11 plays. Therefore, Mr. Farmer, you cannot say he's not good enough. Uh, he's a fairly decent guy, and uh, I've, you know, had a really good track record before we appointed him, uh, him and Cliff, and I was personally and and Daryl was were all very disappointed um, with the outcome. Uh, we tried to give him everything we could within the um, confines of a of a League One club. Uh, we feel that we pretty much gave him everything he asked for, and unfortunately, things didn't work out, and that's not. And it's late on him. It's not anything to do with his effort. I, I can't fault his effort and his integrity and his uh, energy. Um, but we're in professional sports. It's a really tough, miserable, terrible industry. You wonder why so many people want to work in it, given the fact that it's so terrible. I mean, uh, if you had a, a, a run of bad outcomes in another profession, you'd probably be okay. You'd be you know, sent to HR and sent on a training course or something um, to get better. Unfortunately, in professional sports, that's that's not the case. He over his uh, League One uh, tenure, um, the management team lost nearly fifty percent of the games. If you if you add up the eleven League One games and the um, four cup games we lost um, out of thirty two games, I think so. You know, nearly fifty percent. Uh, in reality, you just can't expect to lose fifty percent and keep a job. That would be fine if we were a championship team. We have pretty much the same squad. And one can make a case of almost a better squad than the one that got promoted. So having made that decision, um, and we made it after the Wickham game, we had to look at who is the best candidate um, to um, take the club forward. Uh, we, we had to look at who was available, who would like the role, and, and set aside what fan reaction might be. Uh, a lot of people on social media, at least I've seen, have been disagreeing with Jason's assessment that the squad we've got now is better than than what we had in the championship, Jared. I, I, I'm inclined to agree with them. Uh, he used, for example, the fact we've got Randall and people like that now. Yeah, it's, it, it's not a better squad he, is it, than we had last year. No, no. Like I say, big fan of Jay's, but he, he let himself down in that comment. It, it was uh, nonsense, to be honest. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you've been on the podcast since the return of Darren Ferguson. Um, no. I'm really interested. Obviously, you've had your ups and downs of them over the years with um, <laughs> interviews and whatnot, which was rather awkward listen. But what are your thoughts on it? Are you, are you happy to see him back? Not from a professional point of view, but as, as a fan. I think it's it's almost difficult to remove yourself from the situation because I think if Darren was going somewhere else, then... It, you know, if it was the same club in the same position as Posh, you'd probably think, okay, that's that's quite a good move. You know, there are lots of rumours that he was potentially going to Portsmouth, aren't there? And you think, okay, that would have been probably a good appointment for them both. But just because he's obviously had been at Posh three times previously, it does have that air of comic about it, doesn't it? And and everyone was sort of mocking Posh. I think 
you know, Posh were clearly going to get rid of Grant. That was that was decided. You can see why they've gone back to Darren because, to be fair, they have been consistently saying they didn't want to get rid of him in the first place. And he obviously walked. Um, and so they they were keen to get him back. Now, I'm not sure what necessarily that does for Grant, knowing that he was always number two and not necessarily wanted. And you wonder, was that sort of clear to him when he was when he was there as well? But, you know, they, they have been consistent, the owners, in saying, do we say three owners these days or two? I'm never quite sure. But they have always been consistent in saying they didn't want him to go and wanted him back. So that's that's fine. You can, you know, he's familiar, he's comforting for them and he's done the business before. I, I still don't fully get what's in it for him. He left not wanting to go back into League One. He left not thinking the squad was strong enough. And essentially, those two things are the same. They're in League One with a similar squad. So I don't get what's changed, whether he just feels more refreshed. Obviously, if he doesn't get posh up, or at least nearly up this season, where does he go from here? If he does, is he going to stay? Or does he use that as a launch pad to go somewhere else in a championship team? Still not quite quite sure what's necessarily in it for him, knowing that it's a fourth time as well and all the associations we speak about. So I'm still, I think, my headspace is somewhat confused still. But obviously it's been a good start and and that helps. And let's hope that it is it does turn into to be the right decision come the end of the season. Would it be, is it five years we're coming up to that, that they joined? It was in a March, wasn't it? Yeah. Um that beast from the east when it's freezing cold yeah 2018 i think it was and so five years now next month and it was always dara was was the football the football man to quote a kisby phrase and um and then jason and randy had sort of three main avenues of interest didn't they the fan engagement and the fan experience sort of around match days um, the commercial streams and the revenues and making sure london road wasn't just being used on saturdays and tuesdays between august and may um, and driving other revenue through the club um four avenues sorry third being the training ground and the fourth then being the stadium um, and, and whether Jason's naturally taken over all of those and, and, and Randy's been sidelined or has stepped back, whatever the reason, I, th- I think Posh fans, it's got to the stage now where, you know, you've got one person saying, I wasn't included in the emails. You've got another person saying, yes, they were. Someone is clearly not telling the truth. You've then got the, the new manager, the new old manager coming in and just saying that he was involved in discussions with, with Jason and Dara and doesn't mention Randy's name. Um, and all it's serving to do is to cast doubt and anxiety and unnecessary stress in, in posh fans who I think now probably deserve an answer. Whatever that is, I think clarity needs to be given to the situation. Um, it's you know This is a serious matter. It's a football club. People's interests are at heart. Um, and it may, it, may be, it may be innocent. Who knows? It may be really light. It may be really silly. But I do think posh fans do now deserve to know what is going on. I'm I'm starting to get a little excited now. You know what? You know what it reminded me of, and I saw somebody else make this reference on on Twitter. Um, you know the Portsmouth game pre-COVID, the one where that feel good factor was there, and we we played Portsmouth off the park, and then we went into lockdown. I don't know about you, Sam, but it, it kind of had that sort of feeling yesterday. Like suddenly everything had clicked, and the playoffs are a reality. We've, we're looking at run-ins and stuff like that, like we were with Pompey. And suddenly the sky's the limit again. How much can change in two weeks, right? Yeah, that was 
two nil as well, wasn't it? So a bit of symmetry there. But yeah, we're not, obviously back then we were imperious, knocking four past Wickham and and scoring four for fun regularly and getting clean sheets. So yeah, we're not quite there yet. But yeah, compared to the last pod two weeks ago, coming off the back of that Cheltenham defeat, where you know so much possession did nothing with it, and it all just felt like it was going to fizzle out. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's absolutely fair to have thought that at that point two weeks ago, just as equally fair as it is to think now we're on a real bit of charge here and um, and Derby and Bolton are looking over their shoulders. But it's th- these ne- this next set of game is huge because I think this is now the third time we've won three in a row this season. We've never gone on and won that fourth one. I think we got a draw once. So the longest unbeaten run we've done is four. And again, we said on the, the previous now taken down allegedly pod was that we we hadn't gone on that run and that's what we needed to go on. And if we can go on it now, well, what a you know, best time of the season to to do it and um yeah it's it's great three wins in a row Bolton I think have only picked up a point in that time to really close that gap Derby are looking over their shoulders now I think it's you know Portsmouth with their draw are probably gone now in reality Wickham are still in it so it's two places up for grabs four teams in it yeah it, it is but it's it's weird, isn't it? Because it was. It's. Just, I just. It never ceases to amaze me how much football can change on a literally over the matter of days or minutes, even in a game. Because I think back to that last episode, so two weeks back, where we'd just been dicked three nil at home to Cheltenham, and and for us at that point, Sam, the season was over, right? I mean, we weren't. We talked about how many points we were expecting from these three games, and I think we sort of pitched somewhere between three and maybe four. Uh, as it is, we've come away with nine and. There's just a different feel, isn't there? It's incredible. And not just three wins, three great wins. Right Away at Lincoln, 3-0, who barely conceded all season. And then, you know, a, a 5-2 as well, um, obviously against Burton. And I know Burton are having, you know, a lower down and not had the best season, but still to score five away from home. And then 2-0 against Derby. And a lot of credit to, to the manager as well, because it was drab at half-time and, even if it hadn't worked out, it was good to see him changing it. And it, obviously it did work out, but he was going for it. Whereas Derby were maybe thinking, right, if we can get a draw here, that's good. It keeps them at arm's length. And I know Darren in his pre-match press conference had said, oh, you know, even if we lose, it's not the end of the world. You know, we'll be seven points behind and, and talking about drawing as well. But, you know, it was good then to actually hear him sort of go, go against that. And I know he has to say what he has to say to to relax the players, but then really going for it at half time, changing it and it, and it paid off. So, um, yeah, players as well need a lot of credit for the way they've bounced back from that Cheltenham game because it was, um, yeah, they needed to show a response and they have done three times over. I mean, Norburn's a really interesting one because I went to Sheffield Wednesday away and that was his first start back, I think, wasn't it? He'd made a sub-appearance before then. And, and I mean, obviously he's been out for a long time and it, it looked like that. It showed like some of his first touches were, were really heavy, really quite poor. Um, but, you know, again, since then, like with all the players, really been a driving force and, and, and kicking posh on. So um, that's why it's just a good time at the moment to find that consistency in your team lineup and find that consistency in form as well. So, yeah, I, I mean, it is... It is a, at this moment in time, obviously, eight games to go, one point off those two. It looks really good. But then you think about where we've come from over the past couple of weeks. We have to maintain that. And too many times this season, we haven't done that. We've we've done those three in a row and then we've trailed off or gone on a patchy bit of form. So that's this is the real challenge now. This squad needs to kick on like it hasn't done 
all season in terms of wins in a row or unbeaten games in a row. It needs to be ruthless. And that's the real marker, I think, because they haven't done it so far. So there is that tempered confidence going into these final eight games. Um, but as I said, what, what a time to do it if they can. Then, of course, there's the matter of the playoffs and you're going to be facing possibly one of Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday um, or Plymouth who have been running so hot all season. But, you know, it, it's just nice now, I think, to be in this position and talking about something left in the season, which which I think even, you know, other than the most optimistic of posh fans a few weeks ago, were thinking it was looking very unlikely, if not nigh on impossible. London Road Properties Limited, which owns the club's stadium, was placed into receivership over a dispute over unpaid loans. Co-owner Stuart Thompson appointed the receivers due to a reported £6.6 million debt owed to his company, Old Kent Road Financial Limited, since October. So the London Road Peterborough Properties Limited is owned by uh, Dara um, Stuart and Jason Neal. But it's big news, chaps. It's very big news. Um, I think it's unfair that Randy has been made the scapegoat a little bit. I, I think that that criticism is is ill-placed. I think he's in a position to to do what he's done. He doesn't want to cause the club any harm, is my is my point of view. I don't think he does at all. He's trying to do things the correct way. Um, look, it's clear. Dara's admitted it. It's very clear. There's, there's big issues behind the scenes at the club in regards to the ownership. But um, this is a big issue. Dan, what's your what's your take on it? Yeah, I think the second you start talking about receivership and, you know, mass debts owed, everyone's going to start worrying about the club. I mean, you look at the the amount of clubs that have folded or, or come close in the last couple of years and it's just ridiculous the state that football's in in this country. But I don't think it's time to worry yet. I think as you sort of mentioned, it's, you know, the part of the club, if any bit, you know, obviously it's separate. It is not in any way connected to the football side of things. So, you know, as as far as Peterborough United goes, you know, we're not in a terrible state and we have assets to sell, which, you know, Darius said numerous times, you know, whether we'll actually get the figures that he thinks we'll get, I, I don't know. But, you know, I think we're still okay. The problem's going to be in two or three years' time if we remain in League One and we lose all these assets and we run down their contracts, as we always do. You know, Peterborough always does that. We sell maybe one good player once, you know, every... 18 months and, and that gets us by but you know the longer we let these contracts dwindle down and lose players like Sarika Dembele for half their value if less you know the, the more the club's going to go into to shit you know Tim's mentioned it numerous times you know that the ownership seems to be sort of dragging the club down a little bit at this point and and like you said you know it's, it's certain owners that are getting a worse rap from it than than others and you know I think we all have a, in our own mind who we think's to blame but yeah, hopefully more will be resolved in the coming weeks. Naturally, is a worrying situation. I think you know when you see news like that, it, it's you know it's never a good thing. I think we're we're definitely lucky in this case that it's you know a separate entity from the club, um, you know which we're we're lucky for. But it's a case of it needs to get resolved, um, and the longer this drags out, I think the more worrying it gets. And obviously, as Dan's been, Dan has mentioned, you know if if we don't go up, then I think there is a serious issue in terms of of money coming in. Um, I remember Dara saying a few years ago that I think the, the owners have to put in a few million pounds each year just to keep the club running, and that's without player sales. So, you know, that is a concern, especially if, you know, the, the figures that we've heard in terms of debt are, are actually true. Um, and obviously, you know, we're, we're worried about getting this this paid back. So, 
Yeah, it, it is a concern, but I don't think we need to worry quite yet until, you know, we kind of see where the land lies really in terms of, of what league we're in um, and, and also in terms of the assets that we still have. The one thing I would say is is that the club are, you know, probably the kings in, in terms of lower league, um, you know, picking up players for, for pittance and, and then obviously selling them on. So that's the one sort of confident sort of side of this that, that I do have. But it's yeah, it's not a good look, and it's it's not a good situation. And you know, I think all of us should really be concerned about you know how the owners are getting along, their relationship, and you know maybe other issues that are sort of behind closed doors at the minute. Yeah, I, it's it's going to come down to the absolute wire. I think this is going to be as tight as as us winning at Burton a couple of years uh, at home, sorry to Burton a couple of years ago, and and just missing out because Doncaster mm. got in. It's going to be that kind of that kind of nail biter. I, th- I think, as you said, you know, Derby have the toughest running out of the three. Really, if you if you look at where teams are and, and what they have to play for, Derby are prone to a slip up, as we know, in the last couple of weeks. Bolton have the easier running of the three. However, they are absolutely demolished in terms of of their injuries. They're playing centre mids and centre back at the moment. You know, their strikers aren't hitting where they need to. They are a ruined team, and it's obviously because they're. Wembley push and, and you know it's good for us I, I I just can't see us getting anything at Barnsley I know you said they've got nothing to play for I just I just can't see it I think for me we're relying well, even if we go in if we go in desperately needing the win and they're, they're resting up do you not think it'll happen I, I, I just don't see it I, I don't think we're good enough away from home I, I, I just I feel like it's it's just not a game that we would win in, in any see any I think we've improved chance. massively massively mm. away from home haven't we but I, I, I guess it's just you know a scar from the last eighteen months of, of football under Fergie. You know, obviously we had that sort of six month stopgap with Grant, but even then, away from home, we were bloody woeful. It, it's what I said earlier. You know, I'm going to get lambasted all over socials because you know people are going to say that we've been in fantastic form since the turn of the year and Fergie coming in. And you know, if you look on paper, yes, we have been, but the results have been a bit iffy at times, and and it's just. You know, you look at the mentality of that squad and coming into this last little bit of the season, it's when it's going to be into the most question. So if we don't get something against Barnsley, I think that's what's going to come down to. I think, you know, Bristol, I can probably say it's going to be a win. I'd like to think it's going to be a win, but we need a result at Barnsley and I just don't see us getting it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Who's creeping into six? Are we getting it or or not? Uh, Nathan, we'll start with you. My head says... I'm not sure, but my heart says yeah. So hopefully, but it really does depend on Derby's games, I think. Hopefully they drop points against Portsmouth and then that gives our, our players a, a kick up the arse. Um, 
and you know sort of puts the pressure on them on, on the final day, puts pressure on Derby on the final day. Um, but it's anyone's guess to be honest. It's it's very very much of a muchness. You know, we don't know who's going to turn up. Derby could turn up, win both games. We could lose both. We could win both. It, it's it's so difficult to predict. It's pointless doing it because I think something will happen. There'll be some massive. Um, you know, quirk of fate that will happen on on one of these games, and and it'll you know turn the tables completely. So it's yeah. Hopefully we do it, but yeah, you just can't predict these kind of things. Dan, what would you reckon? Come on, we'll be positive. Finish up on a positive one. <laughs> if for me, it's a no. No, listen, you're, you're probably right. I, I'm always the optimist. I like to to dream. Um, but yeah, you, you probably are right. To be fair. What a day. What a day. I mean, still work to be done, but so many times, didn't it? It felt like the season was 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 maybe fizzling out and we weren't going to get there. And to be fair, they, they've, they've done it. And I don't know about you two, but I kind of feel that obviously you want to go up. But whatever happens here, it's kind of pressure off um, in a way because it just feels like we've, we've, we've snuck in at the last minute and it's great to be in the playoffs. And that feels like a success in itself. We go into this game needing to win. Anything but a win wouldn't have been any good for us. We also needed Derby to lose, ideally, away at Wednesday. Both of those came to fruition. Let's start with what we did, first of all, at Barnsley, Sam. Um, Performance-wise, interesting one, psychologically, I guess, because Barnsley were already guaranteed a playoff play. So would they rest? Would they rotate? Would they really be up for the game? Um Irrelevant of what they could or couldn't do, Posh turned up. It was a, a solid performance that we saw. It was, yeah, really solid. And there was a, I think from there was a point, wasn't there, in the second half early on when it was still one nil, where there was a bit of a scramble in Posh's penalty area. And then after that, I actually felt quite calm about the Posh game, and obviously even more so when Jack Taylor heads it in for two nil. But a lot of the nerves and tension were were about were about Derby and what they might do rather than what Posh would do. I just I just it just didn't really feel like Barnsley were going to get into it and, and score. And and I think that's credit to Posh. You know, some big performances around the pitch and big calls pre-match by Darren Ferguson to go with Joe Ward at right back and Harrison Burrows at left back. And obviously it paid off inside the first 10 minutes with the Burrows ball into Clark Harris, which was the combination that unlocked so many defences in the season a couple of years ago when we finished second to Hull and, you know, Ward was playing at right back, wasn't he? And and we had that horror result at home to Cheltenham back on the 11th of March. And then since then, he's been playing higher up the pitch and Posh has been playing better. So, you know, that makes it an even bigger call to put Ward in at that position. But, um, you know, fair play to Fergie, had to go for it. He did. And the players backed him and backed the fans with, with that performance. It was It was a solid, solid away performance and one of the best of the season. Yeah, and brave, like you said, brave calls by a Darren. Uh, Dan, for for me, and it's kind of following on from what Sam said there, particularly with Ward, but also with Burrows. I mean, just how good was was Burrows yesterday? He was, I mean, everyone played their role, but for me, he really stood out. Yeah, it, it goes back to what Sam said. You know, it's it's more in line with the player we saw a couple of years ago in that that second place campaign, rather than you know the the player that we've been used to seeing in the last sort of eighteen months. And I think it's a confidence thing. He, he looks. Like he's he's got that confidence back. He's got a bit of swagger about him, and you know he's putting himself about. Which you know, a couple of years ago, people were questioning his physicality. You know, and I remember Darren mentioning it specifically, and you know he, he sort of pulled it out of the bag then, and he's done it again now. Um, 
you know, it's always it's always a, a bit of a, a cocky stance to to sort of say he's one of our own, but he is. You know, he's, he's you know, we're speech born. You know, Peter born and Brady. He's one of one of the, the fan favourites for a reason, and you know, he continues to show why he's fantastic. And you know, if if he has to leave in a couple of years because we are in the position that we need to sell him, I think he'll get us a, a pretty penny, which is ultimately what this club's about, I guess. When the Bristol Rovers result happened, I wasn't particularly deflated because it was still possible. Um, and Derby had that tough tough assignment, as did we, of course. But um, but yeah, it was it was uh, it, it's been, it's been a great weekend. And um, you know, when being in the playoffs doesn't happen that often. I know it's happened a lot to Posh recently, and and we have a pretty decent record in the playoffs. So. Just a small matter of playing someone now who won 19 more points than us in the season. But hey, look, it's a two, it's a two-game shootout, isn't it? And then Wembley. So I, I, you yeah. kind of look at that and you think Sheffield Wednesday fans will be thinking we deserve to go up, and you can understand why. But hey, we got two games against them, and if you take the aggregate from the season, we're winning it two-one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you if you're if you're a football fan for any in any other league that's got no association with any of the four clubs in the playoffs. You would look at what happened and you would say Peterborough will win the playoffs now because that's how football works, isn't it? It, it just it happens all the time. Teams that are, you know, we nearly lost um, Notts County in the the National League playoffs. It's like everything is, it's just how football works, isn't it, for Posh to go on and win it now? I mean, that would have been scandalous if Notts County, if they didn't go up, if they didn't even get into the final. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I suppose, you know, they were 2-0 down. Um, against the team at the bottom of the playoffs and, and they came back and won because they're such a strong team as proven by the number of points they've won this season and and likewise so is Sheffield Wednesday. But um, it's it's interesting because I think, you know, it, one, of, one of my friends was driving back from the game yesterday and turned on BBC Radio Sheffield and they had a fan call in and say, oh, well, you know, I think I think we'll beat them. We've got Derby again, haven't we? I think we'll beat them in the playoffs and the presenter was like, we've not got Derby, it's Peterborough. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think, we are the surprise package in the sense of we've not really been there much of the season. Now we've we've snuck in on the last day and we just have nothing to lose. And hopefully that will just galvanise the players into just playing more freely and, and playing like they did um, like they did on Sunday. I, I wouldn't want to play us. You know, you guys know me. I'm, I'm naturally very pessimistic, particularly when it comes to the posh. But um, I... I I believe we can do it now. I can't. It, just the way that football works, that you're quite right. It would be incredibly unfair on Wednesday, who you know finished on 96 points, whilst we finished on our 77 points. So it would be unfair. But that's that's football. That's the way it works, isn't it? Like you said, it was a two game shootout. Uh, just quickly though, Dan, touching on Fergie again. So a little bit of club news. Like, well, it's not really club news, more club rumour since we last recorded. Um, seems as though. Uh, there's potentially a deal already been signed with uh, with Darren. Quell surprise, eh? Um, now I know you and I share similar thoughts on this one. Um, has anything changed in your mind now that we've ultimately got into the playoffs? Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Should he still be here next year, irrespective of what happens next? It, see, this is a difficult one. It's going to be an unpopular one with a lot of the fans. I, I think if we hadn't have made it yesterday, regardless whether we won or not, if you know, if we just didn't get over the line. It wouldn't have been a question for the majority of the fan base. We would have said, thank you very much for your service, Fergie. Goodbye. Now we've made it into the playoffs, there is a big question among the more faithful side of the uh, the fan base. For me, it is still a no. And I think even if we win and get promoted, 
I still want to see somebody else at the helm because the owners have proven that they're not going to back Darren. And if they're not going to back him, we're relying on his tactics, we're relying on his setups. And well, he's proven in the championship, not just with Peterborough, with other teams as well, that he, he hasn't cut out for it. He hasn't got the tactical know-how. He hasn't got the ability to get players up for it. And, you know, anyone who says that he deserves another chance is quite frankly blind. In my personal opinion. No, in my personal opinion, they are. How many times do you have to to let the dog bite you before, you know, you you give up letting them? You know, it's it's a terrible analogy, but you get my point. You know, it's how many chances are we going to give the guy in the championship? I've heard that one before. That's a kiss. No, no, you're probably never hear it again. (laughs) (laughs) You'll never hear it again, but you you understand (laughs) my, my point. It's... You know, we can continue to give him the chance, but at the end of the day, the championship means a lot to this club, financially and to the fans, you know, just as a, as a point of pride. And That's, uh, we... and sorry, I'm distracted by that. That needs to be an inspirational quote picture on our uh, on our social media pages. That is, that's, I'm going to get it printed uh, on my wall. <laughs> yeah, forget live, laugh, love or whatever it is. It will just be how many times are you going to let the dog bite you before you decide not to? Um yeah, and, but I've, I think to be fair, I mean, you make a, a strong point, uh, I would argue, but I yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Uh, Steve Dilly tweeted and says, surely it's time for a snap Fergie in, Fergie out meter. This was after the Barnsley game. Uh, we replied saying, um, we stopped it again because some folks still weren't getting the joke, I roll. Uh, but for you, Steve, let's do it. So we did Fergie in, Fergie out. This was, again, after the Barnsley game. Uh, Fergie in, 88%. Fergie out, Dan. Uh, sorry, 12%. What do you need from this home leg, Dan? Do you, do you need a draw? Do you need a win? What what's Where are you at for Friday? Uh, for me, it would be nice to go to Wednesday with a win in pocket. You know, just that, that one, maybe two goal cushion if we can steal it to, to sort of not sit behind, but give us a bit of confidence and, and you know, give us a bit of, of, of drive to sort of keep attacking and keep going. You know, I don't want to be chasing it because it just leads to mistakes, doesn't it? You know, you, you try and push too hard and and all of a sudden you've been caught on the break and you're another goal down. Um, if it's a draw, for me, it's not the end of the world. You know, as, as we've already mentioned with uh, with people calling me out on it and, and Sam mentioned earlier, our away form under 30 this year, and I would like to specify this year, has been... Our away form at Barnsley. Only yes, <laughs> no, it, but it, it has it has improved, you know, and I'm, I'm I don't want to say less nervous, but you know that there's there's not necessarily that dreading fear that there would normally be for an away game um, behind. Well, I'll time. I'll take your point just quickly and throw it back at you because I remember after the Wednesday away game in March. I think all of us commented on how negative posh were and we'd been playing quite well in the weeks leading up to that. And we went to Hillsborough and we seemed to be scared. Um, so I wonder, Dan, if, if we need to, we need to go there having already got a win. I'm not sure we can go there and win is my point. So do we, I, I don't, I wouldn't want to be Fergie leading up to this week. I think you're at home. You've got a, you've got to be on the front foot, but it's risky, isn't it? Cause they'll, they'll punish you. Yeah, we also need to take into account followings, you know, historically posh don't play well in front of big home grounds when when we're away, you know, and Wednesday have a big stadium, they sell a lot of tickets in it, even for our level, you know, and that's definitely something that we need to, uh, we need to sort of, you know, bear in mind when we 
you know, face the, the home, like, like you say, you know, ideally it's a win, you know, you don't want to be chasing the game too much away and let's just see what we can get out of this. You know, it's, it's a virtue to even be in it at this point, you know, bear in mind where we were in, in December. So let's give it a good go and, and see what we can do. Absolutely. A little fact for you then. Over the last 10 years, the team that's finished sixth have only won the playoffs twice. Last time that happened was in 2017. Sam, any guesses who that was? I'm just going to say Rotherham because they seem to go up and down all the time. Yeah, they do, don't they? Uh, no, it's Millwall. And they've gone on. I mean, they've been unlucky this weekend. They've got you know, robbed of a playoff place in the last second, thanks to Sammy Schmodix, ironically. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it's it's unusual for a team in sixth place, but this is it's like we said earlier, it's different, I think. And I'm not just saying that because it's posh. It's just the posh way, isn't it? We do well in playoffs. We knew how they were going to play. We knew their strengths. You know, they're a very good set-piece team. You know, you look at the size of their, their back four and it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and we managed that well, which, you know, to, to say that of a, a Peterborough team is, is quite astonishing because, you know, historically we're terrible at, at set-pieces. Um and, you know, just we we made them pay every single time. And, and at the end of the day, that's what you need to do in football, you know. And it you can't ask for a better way to, to end the home leg. And, and you know, we, we now go to their place where all the pressure's on them, all the fans are there and they won't be behind the team. You know, anyone who was in the ground on, on Friday night will attest to the fact that the fans are extremely unhappy with that Sheffield Wednesday team. Um, you know, so it's, it's going to be a very cagey atmosphere come Thursday night. And I think that plays to our advantage because we have the ability to not necessarily sit back. And, you know, that's not what I want to see from the team. You know, four goals isn't insurmountable, but we have the ability to sort of, you know, try and control the game a little bit better than if it was only 2-0 or 1-0 or, you know, even a draw. Um what I will say is they're a very dangerous team. And again, anyone who watched that game will attest they are dangerous. They weren't hitting on Friday night. It doesn't by any means mean that they won't hit, you know, on, on Thursday. They have the ability to, to score, especially from set pieces, and they will be gunning for it. There was one point in the uh, in the second half, I think it was when we were 3-0 up just before the fourth goal went in, um, they had five players up. And they were constantly whipping balls in and we struggled. We had to clear a couple off the line. So, you know, we just need to, to to play it smart, I think. And if we can get a very similar performance, you know, even without the goals to to, to Friday night, we're, we're absolutely laughing, aren't we? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, point you make there around the game because and this is potentially a, I wouldn't say controversial, well, it may be controversial, I don't know, especially when we've just won 4-0 in the playoffs. But I actually think... Don't hate on me. I actually think the scoreline flattered us a little bit. Uh, and the, what I say there is that we were 2-0 up at half-time, but I would argue that we didn't deserve to be 2-0 up at half-time. So they had... I know Michael Smith had that one-on-one early. If he'd scored that, we're looking at a different game, I think. All of the pressure that Wednesday had was as a result of Peterborough not controlling the game or not controlling possession, giving the ball away cheaply, not clearing their lines properly, uh, properly trying to play out from the back. We invited all of that pressure. 
But Wednesday just didn't seem to have that kind of final little killer touch. I think they were unlucky for an, an element of that first half. Soon as that third goal went in, the game's dead at that point. They just collapsed. Now I don't know what's happening off the pitch at Wednesday. I don't I don't know enough about the club, but there's clearly something there that's going on because the fans turned on them, the players just seem to implode. And realistically, it could have ended up being five. But I don't know, it's just, I, I'm, I'm looking back at half-time and it's like we're 2-0 up, but I didn't feel like we should have been 2-0 up. It, I, at that point, you kind of still felt like they were very much in the game. And I don't know, Sam, it's just my take on this is, did we deserve to win 4-0? I mean, we did, so yes, but I don't know. It, I'm watching that back and I'm thinking that wasn't a 4-0 type game for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can deny that the, the big moments went our way. As you said, the Michael Smith chance early on that Norris saves. Now, I'm not saying it, they went our way by pure luck. You know, that's a great save from Norris and, and Smith should have done better. Um, the goalkeeper should have done better for Jack Taylor's goal. No doubt about that. Ward shot takes a deflection and that helps it in. Um, again, fair play to Ward for taking on. The build-up play was excellent. And if you don't hit them, you don't, you know, you, it, Ward's got to strike it for it to take the deflection to go in. So, yes, you're 2 up at half-time. They've had a big moment from a from a sloppy pass. For, or Norburn got caught in possession, didn't he? And then you had the Taylor sloppy pass, the only thing he did wrong all, all game that led to the yellow card for Kent. So we did look a bit sloppy sometimes and we'd scored from a poor goalkeeping error and a, a deflection. Um, so, yeah, if you look at it like that, then then yes, perhaps we are fortunate to be to be two up. But I, I never really felt worried. Like even with the, I know, again, the penalty shout, you could say was maybe 50-50. VAR possibly would have given it. We, we cleared a couple off the line. And I've still got nightmares about Aidan Flint from the championship season when we were 2-0 up at home to Cardiff. Um, and that was always in the back of my mind. But then, you know, we, we were just so on it. It was just such a good performance from us. You know, Michael Smith, the best aerial attacker in the league. And you've got Frankie Kent coming out of it with 100% aerial duels won. Ronnie Edwards, actually one of the poorest performers in League One for um, for aerial duels. And he was, you know, he had Michael Smith in his pocket. So I think every player just played so well. Regarding what you were saying about Wednesday, I mean, they they were celebrating promotion in February, weren't they? And here they are now with relegation confirmed in May back in League One. So... You know, they choked earlier in the season and they're choking again. There was just so little pressure on us. It was a free hit. And I think that played out maybe in some of those big moments. You know, we went for those shots. They were maybe slightly nervous and tense. And that's why Smith didn't connect with it as much as he should. And, you know, we were just absolutely on it. The third goal in particular, the, the you know, Taylor's break where he goes past Bannon and then it doesn't quite work. But Norburn's pass is, is inch perfect into Mason Clark, And then his cross, I don't know if you look, I've watched that goal yeah. so many times. The ball bounces just before he hits it with his left foot. And that ball could have gone anywhere. It could have gone into the queue in KFC. And it didn't. It was pinpoint. And it, you look at it and you think that's, you know, those fine minds and those moments, they went our way. But it was partly down to a bit of like, partly down to our quality. The team themselves seem to be maybe just expecting to roll us over, perhaps. I don't know if that's because they did ultimately back in March. I don't know. But... Um, yeah, I mean, how did you do? You feel the the Wednesday team set up? Do you think they gave us enough respect? I don't think that they feared us, to be honest. Yeah, it didn't seem like they were up for it. I can't even begin to explain what must have been going through their heads, to be honest. It, but there didn't seem to be the right mentality there from the start. I mean, you know, you mentioned the the Smith chance. Um, you know, where we give the ball away, he runs through. There was no conviction in that effort. There was no. I didn't feel like he was going to score that, and you know, I'm. 
you know, hundreds of yards away. Um, but I, I didn't feel like he was going to finish that. And to be honest, besides the penalty decision, which concerned me, obviously, because you can see it and think, oh, God, um, I really didn't feel like they were going to score. Um, you know, obviously, there was the two two off the line. But again, you know, we had lots of men back and, you know, two or three players on the line that managed to clear it. So I never really felt like their mental- mentality was there. And it didn't really feel like there was there was much of a a fight or a battle there. And especially, you know, two no down at half time, you really expect them to come out in, in the second half. Um, and besides a sort of maybe 10 minute spell um, midway through that second half, after we'd got the third goal where they, they did rally a bit, um, it, it just seemed to be a bit too easy, um, which, you know, I, I don't want to sort of, you know, get their backs up ahead of this um, second leg, but yeah, the mentality just seemed to be all wrong. And, and I think, you know, ultimately, we we had our heads in the right space, and and you could see that from the players right from minute one. Ironically, uh, they're now no longer favourites to win the playoffs. But interestingly, after the first two playoff legs have been played, reminding ourselves, of course, that Bolton and Barnsley played out a one-one draw up in the northwest, um, we're now favourites to go up. And so, I wonder with what Dan was just saying, whether or not we prefer to be the underdog. I mean, it's going to be tight, whoever we play in the final, if we get there, of course. Yeah, I mean, this is where Darren Ferguson has to has to be the manager um, and really clamp down on any belief that that we're through. Because, yeah, you know, what is it, the fourth time that, that or fifth time that 4-0 has been, four goals is the difference after the first leg of a, of a playoff semi-final. And the other four times, all the teams have made it through to the final, but only one of them has gone on and won the final. And that's the danger for us now, isn't it? Thinking that, you know, we take the foot off the gas or change the mentality. And he's got a lot of work to do to make sure that the players don't don't shift their mentality. And and, and us as fans as well, you know, in, in all the celebrations of Friday night, I didn't see too many, you know, I saw a lot of people saying, well, you know, it's, it's still not won. We've won 4-0. Sheffield Wednesday can just as equally win four 0 at their place. Um, you know, if it was five 0 it's it's another step further. But you know, at four 0 it's it, it's football. Stranger things have happened. It's highly unlikely. You'd like to think, um, but yeah, that shift in odds. You know, I don't know if the players will know about that, but it but it but it does reflect the fact that Posh are now in a very different place in this playoff race compared to where they were before, and it was a free hit for us. Um, and it absolutely was anything but a free hit for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, it's. I was looking, I, I nearly put a fiver on Posh before the Wednesday game for Posh to be promoted, and I think the returns were like, yeah, 27 quid, whereas I think Wednesday was sort of 13 to 8. So, what we were like five to one, and they were less than two to one. So, you know, one and a half to one. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a huge shift, but it was a huge performance. Um, but I just think you have to be so moronic to, if that is true to, and I think maybe, you know, Lisa's may have, might have been fabricated, but certainly there were Wednesday fans talking about Wembley, talking about buying hotels and booking travel down. I mean, it's just so stupid, isn't it? It's so moronic. And I do wonder if, 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 Posh were aware of that and used it in in some way to fire them up. I am your pilot through this depressive journey of the playoff uh, semi-final second leg. I've got first officer Sam Edwards with me. Miserable, isn't it? Isn't it just? uh, Experiencing some turbulence as well. We've got Dan. Evening. And uh, baggage handler Matthew Kisby is back with us this evening. Yeah, I'm the most miserable person in the world, so it's rather apt that I'm on tonight. 
Yeah, it's been a... So we're recording this 24 hours after the uh, Wednesday game. It's been... Um, it's been tense today. It's been quite tetchy, as a uh, yellow block cohort goes. Um, so apologies in advance if you do feel some tension, but we're all... I mean, we're all still quite emotive. We're all still frustrated, disappointed, angry. Yeah, it hurts. It does hurt because, unfortunately, last night we suffered officially the worst collapse in the history of the playoffs. That is the posh way, is it not? It, it was like we were a boxer going into our ring with our arms down, just waiting to be hit and hit and hit and hit. And like we'd never been in a ring before against the most experienced heavyweight boxer in the world. It was... It was just, it was bizarre, wasn't it? I mean, we, we, we were speaking on, on WhatsApp last night about how it was the wrong fullbacks to try and play defensive because the previous two games we'd needed Ward and, and Burroughs to attack um, and, and it worked. Um, and I don't know, we just like, we had legs like jelly, legs like lead, running in treacle in the middle of no man's land in the case of Clark Harris jumping five minutes before the ball even got to him and nothing would stick up front. The midfield was just bypassed. We couldn't pass the ball. We had no fight. We had no grit. We surely were expecting that Sheffield Wednesday, you know, would come at us. And you would have thought prepared for the fact that we might be one nil down early on, hoping not, but let's prepare for that. And how are we going to react? How are we going to try and solve it? And, and we just didn't. And I mean, it was a disgrace in the second half to not have a single shot, um, when we were go, you know, two nil down, and then you just thought we were going to cling on, didn't you? And I think looking back, it does seem like the ref was right to play the injury time he did because it didn't start until sort of ninety seconds in. Um, but whereas on Friday night at the home leg, sort of the big decisions went our way, um, and we were absolutely on fire, and and Sheffield Wednesday weren't. It just completely flipped on its head, and we got everything we deserved. It. It, it, really, it really hurts today. It does really hurt. I've had people trying to message me uh, that aren't posh fans. Of it, it just, yeah, it, it, it does. I mean, it, it would always, we'll always remember that night for all the wrong reasons. And we, we, we did promise that. We, we all, we all said it will be a memorable night in one way or the other because of the way that the first leg played out. And yeah, I think we allowed ourselves to get carried away in in the emotion of it all, it, it was tough. And Dan, obviously, you know, for those that weren't there, what, I mean, what was it like for you inside the stadium? How, how was it for those that travelled? Nervy. I think there was a, a very clear 50-50 split of fans that thought we were already in the final and, and it was absolutely clean away. And, and the other half were sort of wondering how long it's going to take us to collapse. It, it was it was a strange one. I think all in all, the fans are fantastic, to be honest. Um, even through thick and thin, we got behind the team. Um, you know, even up to the, the 97th minute, you know, fans were, were screaming and singing and, and really getting behind the team. And I mean, they were deflated five times in the end, weren't they? And it was, to be honest, I think the performance is a disgrace. And, the players should be thankful for the pitch invasion at the end because they wouldn't have want to face they wouldn't have wanted to face those fans at the end of the game. It was appalling, um, and quite frankly, we deserve better. I was almost physically sick at the end of that game. I was I went into that game thinking it's not won by a long stretch, but when you are four nil up in a two-leg game, you are in a very, very, very strong position, right? 
So going into that game, I thought, you know what? They've got to come at us. What we mustn't do is concede in the first seven minutes. And once that goal went in, I thought, I know what's going to come now because I've seen it many, many times. But I was physically sick. The first, I think the first leg was probably the the best atmosphere I've ever witnessed in 45 years of supporting the posh. It was mental in London Road End. I've never witnessed an atmosphere like that before. And it was, I was proud to be a posh supporter on that. I'm absolutely proud. I was proud of the crowd. I was proud of how our team played on the night. And Sheffield Wednesday won a rollover. We know Sheffield Wednesday are a good game. I was so proud. And I've never, in all my years of supporting the posh, I've never seen a turnaround and a, a complete capitulation. I don't use, I don't like to use the word bottle jobs, but it's hard to talk about that performance last night and say they didn't bottle it because we did not play to our strengths in the second leg. We played to our strengths in the first leg, which is why we were so good. Sheffield Wednesday didn't play to their strengths. In the second leg, it was the exact opposite, and it was almost the exact opposite result, wasn't it, in the end? Um, having said all that, we were we were five seconds away from going through towards the end, five seconds. But again, was I majorly surprised that we conceded in the 98th minute? Perhaps not, because again, that shows some of the weaknesses in our team. But to say, I mean, I didn't even get to eat my Terry's mini chocolate oranges. That's how bad I felt. And anyone who knows me in sweets, it takes a lot to put me off them. But it was, I've, I've seen many, many, many bad times in my time at the supporting the posh. But was that the worst time? Possibly, I think it was. I, I, I thought we'd go through. And I thought we'd, I thought we'd probably lose. I thought we'd lose two one, something like that. But we just didn't seem to go at them at all, and we we just waved a white flag from virtually the kickoff. That's the point, though, isn't it? Sam? It's the the manner of the way that that game played out. I think we all knew as soon as they scored that first goal that how it was likely going to play out, but. Even before that first goal, Norris was getting ticked off within the first couple of minutes for wasting time, holding on to the ball. And to an extent, you can you can understand that. But the, jumping back with the personnel, they'd set up the same way, but clearly came with a, a completely different mentality. Do you think that game was lost before a ball had been kicked based on that? And I'm reading a lot into Norris time wasting there. Of course I am. But so early on? Yeah, I mean, it sets the tone, doesn't it? Yeah, you just took that one goal early on. I think even if that goal comes 10, 15 minutes later, it comes after 20 minutes, we're, we're, we're probably going to be OK. Um, and, you know, we, 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 we did do well to, to, to get in at halftime only two down, actually, um, and, and to take it until I think it was like the 70th minute, wasn't it, when the, when the third goal was scored. Um, so, you know, we did show that we had, a, we had a bit of gumption about us to be able to actually arrest the slide and, and turn it back around. So, so no, I don't think it was lost before a, a ball was kicked. But I, I do think, as you just said, Tim, you know, the first goal went in and you're thinking, oh, OK, which way is this heading? Kisby, you said that earlier. I think, you know, we all maybe felt that to agree. But the one group of people you don't want to feel that and should have been practising all week about how they would be in different scenarios is the players and the management staff. And it just, it just looked like... As soon as that goal went in, so no, not before it was kicked, but as soon as that goal went in, it looked like it was only heading one way, even with that stable period between goals two and three. 
we absolutely dominated the first leg. We should have capitalised on that and gone out swinging. But instead, we set up wrong from the first minute and then at halftime, took off half of our offensive threat. And by doing that, and then starting the second half how we start, should have started the first half, if that was the game plan, we're just asking them to attack and, and begging for them to attack. And we took out all threat. And by doing that, they started throwing up those last few players that they were keeping back. You know, they weren't throwing everything at us the first half. They were trying to score. Yeah, of course they were. And then we're pumping it into the box, but not every man was there. You take off half our attacking threat, you take off half our pace, of course they're going to throw everyone forward. And then they bring on Aiden Flynn. And God, I fucking hate Aiden yeah. Flynn. <laughs> New chapter for the 78th time. Need to start with the manager. This we said was his going to be the start of the biggest news this summer. Uh, Darren Ferguson back at the club officially. Anybody surprised? No. Uh, Jared, your thoughts on this? Yeah, certainly nothing new about it. It's it's very rinse and repeat uh, Groundhog Day. But I've had a lot of time to to think about it. And given the club's position, I am happy with it. I honestly am. Um, I didn't think I would be. But yeah, just last few days I've been thinking about it. And I think it's probably the best decision. And given the financial, allegedly the financial um, condition of the club and the fact that we are going to be going young and hungry, again, that's not a policy, I don't think. That is because of the the position that we're in. Um, So for me, the best person to do that is Darren Ferguson. He he is good with younger players. I like how he stamps out any of the nonsense that comes with young players. So for me, um, yeah, despite the precarious position that I think we are in as a club, I am happy with the appointment of Darren Ferguson. Somebody that I'm sure isn't is Mr. Dan Weldon, who was adamantly against Ferguson's reappointment. Yeah, and I still am. I think the thing that upset me the most was the fact that we put on the socials a new chapter begins when we've all read this book several times already and we know exactly how it's going to end. Um, but look, like like Jared said, you know, League One, there isn't a better manager in League One, I suppose, to, to get us out of it again. So let's just see what the next 12 months bring. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? And I suppose, I mean, John, you obviously had your, your kind of finger on the pulse with what was happening on Twitter and, and the fan feeling there. I guess from a personal point of view, where do you stand on on Fergie coming back? Yeah, I think I'm kind of mixed with it, to be honest. I When he first came back, I was I was quite angry about the appointment. I thought it was really short-sighted. Um, then he obviously sparked a big improvement and we know what Fergie can do in League One. But for me, I don't know if it's just... A, a, a craving for a new ideas or just a bit of fresh impetus about the club, really. I know Ferguson's track record is great and there's no doubting he's a brilliant League One manager. And probably if you looked at it on paper and he came in from the outside, you'd be like, that's amazing. He's a really good appointment. But because we've seen it all before, it does feel like we're going for a whole completely new canvas of players and, and the club are preaching about this new ethos and a new ideology, effectively. We're going to go back to young and hungry and, and everything. And yet we've got the same manager. So you're having a complete clear out of the squad and everything else, but the ideas are all going to be the same fundamentally at the top. Looking back now in hindsight, of course, it's easy. We would have needed at least 99 points. So being honest, squad where it was, even if we did recruit better, realistically, we were never going to go up automatically, do you think? No, I think you're right. <laughs> there was no way to predict the strength of the league, you know, nine, ten months ago. And this was a really, really strong league one season, no matter what you say. 
Um, now, even if you take those top three teams out of the equation, we still don't finish close to the top. You know, obviously we would put us like third, but we're not points wise close to a contender. We've had a very poor season, not only for the players that we have in the squad, but for people in general. Like this is not where we want to be. You know, sh- scrapping for sixth place should not be good enough for a team that's been in League One for as long as we have. We're more than established. We've just come down from the Championship. We have a phenomenal squad and phenomenal ability within the recruitment team, within the management staff, you know, whichever manager you look at, there's no way you can look at this season. And even with the last six months of success and, you know, having that stride and, you know, being third on paper from January, there's no way you can look at this season and think it's been anything but a failure. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.